It is a beautiful day for us to be here, as Brother Joe said earlier. It is a grand time for us to to take in this day. I know we have many among us who are sick, who are struggling with with certain ailments. Please continue to keep them in your prayers. As for us who are here today, again, I'm thankful for all the brethren who helped to carry out the services. Uh, thankful for just life in itself. And it's a series of sermons that I want to start. And I've been thinking about this for a while, but I guess it's now is finally the time to go ahead and start it. But I think about gifts. Who doesn't like a gift? You know, we all want birthday gifts. We want anniversary gifts. We want Valentine's Day gifts. We want gifts just because. We want gifts, 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 because if somebody gives you a gift, that implies that a few things. It implies, implies that they are somewhat fond of you. Or some of them may give you a gift just to get you away. Some give you give you a gift because of whatever's on their mind. They just want to show their gratitude. They just want to show their appreciation. And we can look at many, many other reasons for why one receives gifts. But I want you to think about a phrase. It's an old song I remember my grandmother used to sing when we were we'll go to her house. It would say, you can't beat God's giving no matter how hard you try. And I think about the gifts that we receive from God. And that's what I want to focus on for these next few sermons. Um, it's not going to be your, your traditional, typical three, four point, but we're just going to look at them. And I want to bring out a few important things. Because we may feel like we are a burden to others. We may feel like life is hard on, our, on us. We may feel like we don't deserve certain things. But I want you to know that there's somebody who loves you deeply, who cares for you so much that he did so much in order to redeem you, to protect you, to keep you, and to show you that he truly cares. And with that being said, I want us to start off first by looking at one point of looking at you can't beat God's giving or the gift of God when it comes to life. All of us are able to say that we are living a life. Now, the question we have to ask ourselves is the life that we're living, the life that God wants us to live. And if we're not living the life that God wants us to live, can we truly say that we are living? When it comes to life, life is a beautiful thing. You're born, you live, you get to experience many things. And then inevitably, there comes the death. There comes the end. That's the joys, the ebbs and flows, the ups and downs when it comes to life. As the verse that Brother Jimmy read this morning for us, Genesis chapter 1, beginning at verse number 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. So I want you to know when it comes down to life, life is something. It is a gift that is a precious gift that comes from God. So you and I have to be thankful for the life that we have. And again, if you are not where you want to be or if you are not where you need to be, there is a way to get to where you can be all in Christ Jesus, that you can have and experience all the blessings of God. But I want you to notice a few important things about life. Because when it comes to a gift, you think about it. How much did you pay for your life? None of us paid anything for it. It says that we were created. 
That means that we were given this freely. God created us for his pleasure, Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 11. He did it by design for himself, not because he just didn't have anything else to do. He did it for his pleasure. And so when I think about life, my life must be, again, reflecting of what God wants me to be. So many people say, well, this is my life and I live it the way I want to. You know, the young kids say YOLO. They say you only live once. And I always say, you know what, you only die, well, you can die twice, but you only need to die once. You don't have to experience the second death. But it's, it's for sure, if you live to get old, if, unless the Lord returns, you will pass on from this life. So it is important to realize that when it comes to life, it says that he made them male and female. But you know what has happened in the world today? The world today has, t- has taken God's gift of life of saying that you've been created this way and said, you know what? You were made. You came from the monkey. You know what? You came from the Big Bang Theory. All of a sudden, there was nothing, and then, boom, a world popped up. Friends, the very beginning of the, of the God, word of God says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And if you go through all of the six days of creation, if you notice on the sixth day, it says he looked back at everything, and what did he say? Behold, everything was good that God had made. So everything that you and I are able to endure in this life was purpose for good. Now, man may have taken those things and changed those things up and has has muddied the water and has, and has made what God created to be of of misuse. But when God created it, his intentions was for man to have a good life. You believe that? If you notice, when you look at Genesis, the second chapter, after God created man, it says that he put him in the garden. After he did all of all what he needed to do, it says in verse number four, beginning in Genesis chapter two, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens and every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was not a man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Notice God breathed into man, made him a living soul. God wants us to be living. He wants us to be vibrant. He wants us to be active, but he wants us to do it according to his way. Again, a life without God is not a life worth living. If we find ourselves in a position where we do not want to have God in our lives, we really need to check ourselves. But we look at the world today and the world seems to spit in the face of the gift of life that God has given. We notice abortion rates. What happens? They keep going up. We notice murder rates. What happens? It keeps going up on the sad case. Suicide. You know what happened with suicide rates? They keep going up. You know why? Because life is not the way that people wanted it to be. And because they feel as if there is no other way that they can heal this pain than to take their own life. We should never let people get to that point. We should never be people who push people to that point to make them think that their life is nothing and make them feel like there's no one who cares for them. I'm always mindful of others' feelings because 
on this life's journey that we're taking, you know what? There are people who are going to disagree with you. You believe that? You know, there are people who are actually not going to like you. You believe that? There are some people who are going to want to do you bad and they're going to wish hurt upon you in this life. But I'm reminded of what Jesus said. Jesus said, do good to them that despitefully use you. Bless them that curse that you pray for them. Take the time out because guess what? You still have a life, Christian, that you have to present yourself to be a light, Matthew 5, 16. And you have to present yourself to be that good salt of the earth, Matthew 5 and verse 13. So if this gift of life that God gives us, we have to notice that it is a life that is about pleasing him and not self. There's a song in our songbook that says more of thee and none of me. That's how we should progress in this life. When it comes to life, it's not about the amount of things that you can accumulate. Now, don't get me wrong. You can have things. It's all good for you to have things. I always joke with Brother Fred and tell him when he get that million dollars, that means we got a million dollars. Now, he may not feel that way, but guess what? I know it to be true. When we think about these things, a life that is pleasing in God's eyesight is a life that is following his commandments. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, John 14, 15. If we want to be the friends of Jesus, we'll keep his commandments, John 15 and verse 14. And so it is the case that it is important what we do with our lives. Because, again, we see from the beginning God formed man. If God created us, that means that he would give us a purpose. You know, I don't a sidebar real quick. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to study with somebody who calls himself a Calvinist. Um, it's a funny doctrine. It's a doctrine that is that makes you scratch your head because the guy who I was talking with last week. Before right before I went to Texas and he was saying that, you know, we're just all depraved. Life is just nothing, you know, unless God wakes you up, unless God himself puts his hand on you, unless God himself speaks through you. But I wanted to I asked him the question, if that is the case, if we can't have salvation, if we can't do anything to to obtain salvation, why do we preach? Why do we teach? Why are you why are you talking to me about God right now if I'm just so depraved and lost? You know, that's a hard life for a man to say, well, I'm just going to leave it up to chance. And if God wants to save me, he'll save me. Friends, the Bible tells us in First John chapter five, verse number 14, ye can know that ye are saved by the things that are written. It's amazing when it comes to everything that pertains to this life and godliness. God put it right here in the Bible to show us what we should do. Second Peter one and verse number three. He didn't leave anything out. He didn't leave anything to chance. He gives us all that we need when it referred when it comes to this life and godliness. So when I think about the gift of life, it is something that is so precious that I must cherish it. That if I'm not where I am, where I want to be in life, that I continue to work at it. But to also know the fact that if I want to truly be something, I have to be in Christ when it comes to my life. Notice our next point. We're going to stay in the book of Genesis one more time. When it comes to the gift of God, I want you to notice the gift of relationships. You know, a relationship is a beautiful thing. Well, you may say, well, it depends on who you're in a relationship with. Well, you know, that all depends. When it comes to the joys that we get a chance to experience in the body of Christ, I'm thankful. You've heard me say it many times from this pulpit that you can go to 
Africa, you can go to Italy, you can go anywhere and you can always find the Lord's church. You can always find people who have that same faith as you, where you can worship with, where you can get to know and you can you can form bonds with. Now, I got a chance to see something that was amazing. And I wish that the body of Christ came together like this all the time. When I went to Houston last week, my brother who, who got married, he's a part of a Greek fraternity. And these brothers had his his line brothers had never met him. But they said, hey, you got a, We got a fellow Q dog who's getting married. They had never seen my brother before in their life. But they all came upstairs and they showered them with praises. They sung a song because they said, that's my brother. Even though I've never met him, he's a part of the same organization as me. And so therefore, I'm going to treat him as if I know him. You know, that's the way we're supposed to treat each other in the body of Christ. If I'm out of town, I break down. I should be able to reach out to somebody who has the same faith and say, hey, I'm stuck on some. I'm stuck somewhere. I need this. or I need that. Or I got some. I don't know where I am, but I need some help. But again, sometimes we miss the point about relationships because we don't communicate with each other correctly, that we don't know how to communicate with each other. And that's what we have to learn in the body of Christ. If we are going to be successful together, we have to learn how to form good relationships with one another. Now, what we're going to look at in the book of Genesis is from a marital standpoint. Now, you all know the story when it comes down to what happens with Adam. Adam, uh, as we see in Genesis chapter 2 and beginning at verse number 19, and out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found an help meet for him. I want you to notice this. After all these things that Adam was doing, he was naming each one of these these animals and see how they went together. Adam noticed that something was missing. He didn't have a relationship with somebody who was there with him. Now, he did already have a relationship with God, which is the greatest relationship. But then he, he noticed that there's a piece missing. Now, I should have said this before I got to this before I got to this part. You think about how beautiful that had to be to be able to have God walk there with you to have his presence to be there as they were in the Garden of Eden, not one for anything, a time where you don't have to worry about hope, where you don't have to worry about faith, because guess what? You're right there with God. You're right there with him. You're able to literally be with God. But then we know what happens between that relationship. The relationship gets severed because of sin. Sin calls the relationship between man and God to be hindered but I want you to notice even though the relationship was hindered and though it was broken God still was faithful and con and did what he needed to do to keep a relationship with man that's a beautiful thing that he loves us that much that he cares for us that much that he cares about our life that much that he will still provide for us but now let's get back to the relationship part now, verse number 21 says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. 
and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Notice how their relationship came together. God formed Adam. God formed woman. He put man and woman together. As he stated in Genesis 1 and verse 27, he made them male and female. He put them together so that they can be one. They would leave father and mother and be one. It would be them two who would have to figure life out. It would be them two raising children. It would be them two parenting. It would be them two trusting in God and working together. Any relationship that doesn't have God in it is destined to fail. Whether it be a marriage, whether it just be between friends. If you are if you are best friends with someone and that person is a very worldly person and you're trying to cling closely to God, there's going to be a disconnect. And so when it comes to relationships, I need to know that God wants me to have a relationship with him first. So that I can have a good relationship with my brothers and my sisters also, because if we are off with God, it's going to be hard to have a relationship with each other. We have to keep that in mind. I think somehow we, 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 we miss that as God's people sometimes. If somebody has been withdrawn from, we'll say, well, we're still going to hang out and do these things. And, and hopefully this is going to change them. When the Bible tells us if they are not acting right in the relationship, to withdraw yourself from people. If you're not walking right, I have to remove myself from you. Withdrawal of fellowship is not something that's designed to be mean or cruel. It's designed to bring the person back to the right relationship. But I think we don't believe that. I think somehow we, we, we forget that and we just say, oh, we can't be so cruel to them. Thanksgiving coming up, we can't withdraw from Sister Joy. She made the good sweet potatoes. We can't. We, we, we got we brother Jimmy. We got to let her come. But then we can put it back out on the, on the 29th when, it, when it's all said and done. Now we're going to withdraw from them after, the, after that. But, that, but that's, that's, the, that's the rationalizing that we have in our minds when it comes to relationships. We need to realize that, again, it needs to be right with God first. I can't be right with you if you ain't right with God. I can't, be, I can't participate in the things that you want to do that are worldly and still hold hand in hand with God. It's going to be a strain in the relationship. Now, looking at this part from a marital standpoint, keep your fingers right there in the book of Genesis. But now follow me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to look at just us working together in the Lord's church now, how Paul talks about the body and how the body is, how the body is many members. And you may not believe this, but when it comes to working with people, people are going to have different ideas and you might not get along all the time. Sometimes you might have to hold your tongue and sometimes you may not have to you might have to not say something in order to get something to go through. Do you believe that you got to fight every battle? You know, one of the things I tell my kids when I do therapy is that you choose what hill you're going to down. Now, if it's something that really matters to you, if it really really matters, you know what? Fight for that thing that you're trying to fight for. I tell my foster parents 
don't die on every hill with these kids. If they come in and they, they want they want peanut butter and jelly, but you want to give them honey and jelly. You know what? It's not a big deal. That's not a fight that you got to make. And then next thing you know, all these problems are going on all because the kid didn't get what they want. Choose where you're going to fight. Choose what, what, what what's, what's going to be so important. Is, there, is it worth saving a relationship or do you have to get your way? Now, when it comes to the body, sometimes that's how we are. And we forget that we all are working for the same goal when it comes to the relationship. Paul said that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 10, that we all speak the same thing, that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. So when it comes to things of this, of, so when it comes to situations, you and I should say the same things. Now, are there certain things we can have different opinions on? Yeah, what color the building should be. You know what? You can have whatever opinion you want on that. But when it comes to matters of salvation, you and I should speak the same thing. That shows that we are truly in that same relationship. That shows that we are truly contending for that faith which was once delivered that Jews spoke about in Jude verse 3. And so when it comes to the body, you have to realize that we come in all shapes, sizes, and colors. That we come in rich, poor, middle class. That we come in highly educated, GED, PhD, ADP, and all that else. We come, with, we come in all those different sizes. But guess what? We are all part of one body. So we have to learn how to navigate in the body with each other. Guess what? There are certain things that we do that may be different than one another. But God should be the great equalizer. God should be the great common denominator that we have that bonds us. It should be the adhesive that... I think I said that right. The adhesive that makes us stick together. If I'm wrong, tell me at the end. The thing that bonds us. That's what we that's what that's what should be the thing. Now I want you to notice, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse number 12. He says, For as the body is one, notice not two, not three, not four, the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body also in Christ or is Christ for by one spirit are we baptized into one body whether we be Jews or Gentiles whether we be bond or free and have been all made to drink into the spirit for the body is not one member but many if the foot shall say because I am not the hand I am not of the body is it therefore not of the body and if the ear shall say because I am not the eye I am not of the body is it therefore not of the body if the whole body were an eye where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now had God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it had pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? And now are they many members, yet but one body. And I cannot say unto the hand, I have no need for thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more of those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. Notice even the most even the even the most significant part of the body is necessary. You don't think so? Cut your pinky toe off and try to walk. Cut 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 that little bitty pinky toe off and, and see and see what happens. I guarantee you your balance won't be the same. And so it is the same thing that we have to realize that every member of the body is important, whether it be 
red, yellow, black, or white, rich or poor, whatever the case may be, when it comes to former relationships, the gift that God gives us of former relationships, notice he put the body together. In Christ, we have so much that we can have with one another. Notice that we're not shut off like Buddhist monks in a temple, but no, we've been given a greater commandment to go and preach the gospel to every creature, Mark 16 and 15. That we have been told to go and make disciples, Matthew 28 and verse 19. Because it is of importance that we do these things to bring more people to the body so that we can build more relationships and that we can help more people make it to their home in heaven. Relationships are important and they are a gift from God. But just like any gift from God, it can be misused. Just like any gift from God, it can be taken advantage of. When it comes to relationships, we need to make sure that the people we seek to have our strongest bonds with are people who are like-minded. You're not going to be able to escape this world. You're going to be in this world, but you don't have to be of this world. Your relationships are very important. So as we have to choose wisely whom we spend our time with. Because where we lay up our treasure, that's where our heart will be. The gift of relationships is a beautiful thing from God. Now, we're going to look at one more because, like I said, this is it's going to be a bunch of them. And we're going to go through them as we as the Lord hopefully allows us to see fit. Lord willing, we meet again next week. But I want to just look at one more for the day. And I want to look at the gift of protection. The gift of protection. And I said, well, Brother Ford, where are you going with this? Now, I want you to notice when you look at Genesis chapter three and we refer to this chapter as the. The, the fall of man because of what happens. Satan comes in and he tricks Eve. He beguiles her by adding one word. He said, you shall not die. He adds one word and he changes everything. Everything is changed because of that. Now, at that moment when that happened, God could have just hit the reset button. But that's not what he did. I want you to notice, even after everything, after God comes down, and he calls and asks where they were and they make their statements. And then I want you to notice what, what he says in verse number 13. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. And the Lord said, then the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Notice the coming of the Messiah, the protection plan that was going to be that was going to be put in place in order to make sure that you and I can be reconciled back to God. When it comes to God's protection, his protection is something that is is a beautiful thing. It is something that we have to pray for. It is why we pray for traveling grace. It is why sometimes you also pray for some certain meals. Well, you should pray for all meals, but especially sometimes when people can't cook. If you, Lord, let me make it through it. You say an extra prayer just, just in case. 
But when it comes to his protection, his protection is something that we have to realize through scripture and how it and how he has provided for his people. Job is a great example. And not only I'm going to start with Job, but I'm going to work my way back to Abraham. And then we're going to end with David, because I want you to notice a few things about these men just from the Old Testament, because the next time we'll look more into the New Testament when it comes to God's protection. I want you to notice about Job. When Job, when we read about Job in Job chapter one, there was a man in the land of uh, in, in the land of us. His name was Job. Job was a man who eschewed evil. He was upright. He was one who had much substance. He had camels and donkeys and she donkeys. He had all of this great substance. He had children. He had wealth. He was one who was known. But when it comes to the fact of when Satan is talking with God and saying that he only serves you because you're doing so much for him. You, you, you've got this protection upon him. I want you to notice God tells him you can have your way with him, Job, but you can't take his life. He protects him. He continues to still provide for Job, even though Job has lost all these things. Fun fact, or I should say an additional fact. I want you to notice when it comes to Satan and when it comes to God's protection, Satan said that Job will surely curse you, God, if you take these things away from him. Did Job curse God? Not at all. It said that in all of this, Job did not sin before God. Job chapter one in the last verse 23, I believe. And so I want you to notice when it comes to the protection of God and when it comes to what Satan does, Satan will throw everything he can at you until he gets something to stick. So we have to be mindful of the wiles of the devil and notice that he will try to get us in many different ways. He comes in many different forms and can and will try his best to cause you and I to stumble. So when it comes to God's protection, God continued to be there for Job. He continued to protect him. And we go as we go all the way through the book of Job, even when his so-called friends come to him saying, Job, you have surely sinned. Job, you surely did wrong. Job, this is all your fault. What are you doing, Job? Confess, confess. God still protects him. He knew who God was. He says, when he had tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Job 23 and verse number 10. You know how Job was able to go through his trials golden and come out golden, I should say? It's because he went into the fire, pure gold. And you know what happens to gold when it's put into the fire? It's get pure, it gets pure and pure. God's protection upon Job allowed him to continue to trust in him. He says, yet though he slay me, I will trust him, Job 13 and verse number 15. He continued to trust in God's protection. Now, I want you to focus back on Abraham. Abraham is another one. When you read in Genesis chapter 12 and verse number one, when he says, get thee from, to a country where I will show thee, get out of your father's house and get to a place that I will show thee. Then he says, I will bless them. Um, he first says, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Then he says, I'll bless them that blesseth thee and I'll curse them that curseth thee. Genesis 12 and verses one through three. And so as as Abram continues down his wife, Sarai, he goes into certain places and he makes it down to Egypt and Abimelech tries to take his wife. And you know what? God says, uh, uh, that's not going to happen. Appears to Abimelech in a dream and says, why did you try to give this woman to me? You married. This is this is your wife. 
Abram said, this is my sister. He didn't, he didn't tell the, a complete lie, but he didn't tell the complete truth neither. But God protected him as he continued to go and as he went to go and fight to get his nephew Lot back from Cheddar Lemur in Genesis chapter 14. And as he continued to go on and on doing great things, as he continued even up to the fact of when it seemed like the son of promise would not be born, God still was there with them and even after. You can go all through the book of Genesis. We look at Isaac, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and see how God's protection works. One of my favorite scriptures to read is when you're dealing with Joseph and when he finally meets back up with his brothers and he said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. What happened? They had put him in a pit. He had been sold off. He had now arisen to be the number two man next to the king or Pharaoh. God protected him. You've heard me say from this pulpit, God protects fools and babies. Well, I, I'm, 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 hoping that, I'm hoping that he keeps on doing that because his protection is something that we need. And his protection is a gift that lets us know that he will be with us and he will not forsake us. Matthew chapter 28 and verse number 20. Now I want you to finally look at King David. Second Samuel. And we're going to look at the 22nd chapter. King David was one who spent a lot of time running from enemies. He spent time running from Saul. He spent time as a shepherd over sheep. And when his sheep went missing, he went to go fight animals to get his sheep back because he wanted to protect his sheep. It's funny how that little shepherd boy becomes a king who's over God's people to protect them and to shepherd them also. But I want you to notice in this song that he writes about our God. Notice these words in 2 Samuel 22, beginning at verse number one. And David spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord had delivered him out of the hand of all his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. And he said, the Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my rock in him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge, my savior. Thou savest me from violence. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. When the waves of death compassed me, the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and he cried to my God and cried to my God. And he did hear my voice out of his temple and my cry did enter into his ears. When it comes to the protection that we receive and David knew that it was God who had gave him life. He knew it was with his relationship with God that would get him to where he needed to be. Even though he was one who stumbled and fell, he knew how to make things back right with God. And in doing that, he was able to still be protected by God. The same thing is true with you and I. You and I have to continue to know that it is always this life that we have been given that we have to use it to glorify God's God. Our body is not meant for fornication, meant to be drinking and drugging and doing all these things. We live a life that is pleasing in God's eyesight to have a good relationship with God so that he continues to protect his children. Because he's going to be there. David knew this in the toughest of times and even in the roughest of times. I 
I want to say that it, I may be wrong on this, but I want to say it's Psalm 122, the Psalm of David, where David doesn't ask God for anything. You know what he just does? He just says, thank you, God. When was the last time we just said, thank you, God, for life? Or thank you for being you, God. Thank you for your son. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your protection. Thank you for just everything. He continues to protect. But we have to make sure that we continue to live a life that is pleasing to his sight. And that we always make sure that the relationship is right. If you ever have any doubts about the gifts of God, the gifts that God gives, just go back and look at his word and see how many people were blessed from doing what God said to do. I guarantee you, you will never see in the Bible somebody who said, man, I didn't do what God said and boy, my life turned out great. You will never see it in the Bible. It is always for them who love the Lord who he continues to uphold even though you may see the wicked prosper. But they're not really prospering if they're not in the Lord. So I want you to think about it. The gifts that we talked about today. Life, relationships, and protection. Those three things go together so well. And I want you to take time to reflect on your life as I had to reflect on mine. And as I continue to reflect on mine. And see if there's any one of these areas that you can improve in. And that, that we can put more emphasis, emphasis into. I know definitely the relationship part is something that we need to focus on a whole lot. Getting to that point where we're better as a body with each other. But we don't have to bicker and fight about small things. We don't have to get mad about the little bitty things that don't matter. We start getting mad at each other about who's going to do the Bible study. You, Jimmy did the Bible study without me, and I'm mad at him. Somebody want to preach. I'm mad I'm now. I'm mad because they want to preach too, and we, and we got to share the pulpit. We got to share the teaching responsibilities. We got to share taking care of the sick. We, we never get mad at those things. But reflect on God's gifts, and just always remember, as the song said, you can't beat God's giving no matter how hard you try. The sermon is yours. As we extend the Lord's invitation, it's important that we be appreciative of what God has done. It's been said that gratitude, not having gratitude, is like buying an expensive gift and wrapping it and not giving it to somebody. Not having gratitude is likened to that. God has given us all things that we need. As the scriptures say, all things are ready. Come to the feast. The spirit says, come. Jesus even says, recorded in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, as he reaches out to a, to a group of people, and he tells them to come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. The sweet words of Jesus, he says, come. 
You don't know what's going to be on tomorrow. You don't know if tomorrow will come. If you are outside of Christ, that means you're not in a relationship with him. That means that your life is not what it needs to be. That means you're lacking protection. You know, on this road that we drive on this road that we drive on, we have insurance. But I want you to know in Christ, there is assurance that you will have a place in heaven if you obey that gospel and live faithfully until your time is called. He says, come. He says, come. You can come by hearing the word. According to <coughs> Romans ten seventeen. after hearing that word, if you believe that word, John 8 and verse 24, repent of all sins, according to Luke 13, 3 and 5, and then confess that Jesus Christ is the son of God, according to Matthew 10 and verse 32, and then be baptized for the remission of sin, according to Acts 2 and verse 38. And then it's not a one save, always save. You must continue to live faithfully, even if death is to come. Revelation 2.10, to receive the crown of life. If you are a child of God and you have been neglecting God's gifts, I urge you, have gratitude for what God has given. Be thankful for it and show him, not just with service out of your mouth, but with your actions by the fruit that you bear from your tree. If there's somebody who needs to respond this evening, please do so as we stand and sing the invitational song.